This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Jida Jacobs. In Malaysia, the state governments play a crucial role in land use, land policies, built environment, planning and administration. So today on the show, I'm speaking to Adam Farhan, the co-founder and director of Rimba Watch. We're going to suss out how the six states that are heading for state elections this Saturday have been doing on the environment front. We're going to focus more on deforestation and what voters should consider when choosing their state representatives. Adam will also be shedding light on a recent report that Rimba Watch released that highlighted gaps in Petronas net zero carbon emissions by 2050 or NZCE 2050 pathway towards achieving net zero future ambitions. He's going to shed some light on that. Welcome, Adam. How are you today? Hi, Judah. I'm great. And it's uh, good to be back on BFM. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me, Adam. Always good to have you on the show. So I think we're going to, so we're going to be tackling two separate sort of uh, topics today, but yep. uh, let's start off with state elections, right? Uh, yeah. Everybody, the fever is on now, yep. right? Flags. Uh, and we know six states are heading for state elections. So that's Kedah, Pulau Pinang, Kelantan, Trengganu, Selangor and Negeri Sembilan. Maybe, you know, what I thought we could do for today was do like a little bit of a report card uh, based on, you know, Rimba Watches uh, and, you know, previously when you were Rimba Disclosure Project, you know, some of the findings that you had on how these uh, states have been doing, right? Yep. So maybe let's start with Slango, right? Sure. So I know last September, for example, you estimated that 39 53.22 hectares of pristine forests in Selangor were set to be cleared for various development projects, right? Yeah. yeah. Can you just remind our listeners about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Selangor, despite having one of the more comparatively progressive governments, state governments in the country, uh, they're still not exactly climate or biodiversity leaders. Um, so one of the major findings we had last year was that um, uh, the Slangon Forestry Department had approved uh, about 800 plus hectares of Bukit Lagung Forest Reserve for quarrying. Mm -hmm. um, and they were completely non-transparent about that. And we only found it out because, uh, you know, we were searching through the internet, doing desktop research, and we found a real estate listing showing a parcel of land within Hutan Simpan Bukit Lagung for sale. And the real estate agent had attached this map. And this map had showed that basically one third of, of the northern and western parts of the forest reserve, which is uh, bordering Frim, by the way, mm. um, had been parted out to all these, there's 27 plus companies uh, for quarrying. And we're talking about, um, you know, almost virgin forest here. And we're talking about forest reserve that's very close to KL and, you know, that holds a lot of importance to KL, not just in terms of, you know, all the biodiversity and ecosystem services, but just as a backdrop. Yeah. You know, when we look into the direction of Bukit Lagung, we want to see greenery, we don't want to see quarries. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and beyond that, uh, for example, one ongoing issue is um, uh, in, in northwest Selangor near Sabak Burnham, there's a 900 hectare agricultural project, and that's in a peat swamp forest. Uh, and that's done by a Selangor, you know, a, a government linked company. Mm -hmm. um, and what we saw is that earlier they had tried, they had actually cleared a few parcels of, of land in that area. And they tried to develop a oil palm plantation, but because they didn't have an EIA, uh, the Department of Environment actually took action um, and stopped the project. Uh, but what the GLC is now saying is that we're going to proceed with the project based on the laws and regulations of Slango. Mm. And so it looks like this project's going to go ahead, but you know it might not be oil palm. They said it's going to be mixed agriculture, um, you know, maybe something to do with food security, so some some bananas or something like that. Um, but you know, this is peat swamp forest, and peat swamp is one of the most uh, carbon intensive ecosystems in the world. Yeah. Um, and we just cannot afford to lose any more peat swamp forests, especially in Selangor, where there is so little left. Yeah. Um, and beyond that, you know, we're still seeing issues of forests being sold online. So what we found last year was that um, about 450 hectares of um, hill, hill slope forest in Surrender 
behind the Sirenda waterfalls uh, was being advertised for sale online. And attached to those listings was like a map of these, of like a planned um, real estate development that showed, you know, they're going to build these roads and build these houses there. Um, and we're talking about a slope. Okay, it goes from 100 meters to 400 meters in the span of about one and a half kilometers. So that's steep. Um, so yeah, Selangor continues to to encroach on forest or to plan to encroach on forest. Um, in fact, one thing I really want to mention is the the Ranchangan Kawasan Kas Genting Highlands, mm-hmm. um, where they are planning to develop the Selangor site of the Genting Highlands area. And you know, similar to the Suranda issue, we're talking. They Selangor is talking about developing highland forest. Is talking about developing steep slopes. Uh, you know, between Gotong Jaya and Genting Highlands. Um, where it goes from 900 meters to 1,800 meters. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's extremely steep. Um, Genting Highlands is a landslide hotspot. Okay. We saw the Batangkali issue. Uh, and by the way, the Batangkali, the campsite was zoned by the Slango government for commercial use. It was not zoned for forests. Mm-hmm. So if the Slango government wants to blame the campsite operator for the landslide, actually they should be blaming themselves for allowing the campsite to be put there in the first place. Okay. Um, so yeah, these are some of the issues that we're seeing. Yeah, and, and I mean, we do remember also they faced a lot of uh, public backlash for uh, several projects, right? Uh, for example, Bukit Raka, what's yeah. happening over there, right? The D-Gazette Menla, Re-Gazette Menla, all yeah. the things that were happening there, you know. Uh, but I mean, they faced a lot of scrutiny, but of course, you know, a lot of that blame was placed on the previous administration, isn't yeah. it? Uh, the Barisan National um, which now, of course, they are uh, uh, going uh, to to the polls together with. But you know, has that also? Have you also noticed that that um, a lot of the things that they promised didn't quite go through as well? Or um, well, you know, they they do make general promises on being sustainable and on protecting the environment, but we're not seeing these things, you know, actually put in place. If if uh, the Slangor State government wants to really be biodiversity leaders, they need to place a blanket moratorium or blanket exclusion on all activities. Uh, relating to deforestation in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, you know, we're seeing state-linked companies, we're seeing uh, town and planning development, uh, sorry, town and country planning boards promote deforestation in essence. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I remember also last year reading uh, when, when you guys gave that statistic, right, of that 3.9 thousand uh, hectares of pristine forest, right? I mean, some had been reported, but some had actually gone largely unnoticed yes. as well, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. And would you have any sort of uh, updates or anything on whether anything, there was any changes there? No, it's no. pretty much the same. Yeah. Right? For the Bukit Lagong issue in particular, the Slango State Government responded with uh, rejections of our findings, you know, okay. they consistently rejected that the project would have any impacts on biodiversity. Mm. They didn't reject the project existed, but they rejected, Your you know, that it would have any impacts, which is a falsehood. Okay, all right. And there's, you know, all these uh, development on terrains that you were talking about, right? And that, yep. was, of course, uh, any, I think any development on terrains with slopes exceeding 20% gradient is deemed dangerous. So, you know, the yes. stats you gave us just now, I mean, that's just way above and exactly. beyond that, right? Okay. Yep. All right. So, not so report card-wise, not doing too well because uh, there's also Kuala Langat North Forest Reserve. Yep. There was that. Uh, still not quite um, not, whether it has been regazetted, right? We're yes. not quite sure, right? Not quite sure yet. Um he pledged, you know, the, the Slango MB pledged to do it by Hari Raya last year, I believe. Mm. And it's been quite a while since, so we're still waiting on that. Okay, so just just things to keep in mind, I guess, right, as we uh, as we head to the uh, state polls. Okay, so that's Slango. Uh, let's move on to maybe uh, uh, Kelantan now, right? Uh, a lot of deforestation we know happening over there. I mean, what are some stats that, are, uh, that Rimba Watch can share with us? Yeah, well, Kelantan is, um, Kelantan is a state in Peninsula Malaysia with the highest... Uh, rate of deforestation in the past, as well as the highest projected 
uh, deforestation in the future. Okay. Um, and that's primarily uh, due to timber plantation zoning in Kelantan. Um, well, Rimba Watch calls it timber plantations, but if you ask the government, they're going to call it ladang hutan. Yeah. Um, and basically what this ladang hutan, so-called ladang hutan uh, program involves, is the establishment of monoculture plantations, which in Kelantan is usually rubber or acacia. These plantations in permanent forest reserves. Uh, and they claim that these forest reserves are degraded and that, you know, that justifies their conversion. But what we found in our data is that a lot of the areas where they're planning to establish these plantations are not degraded at all. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they are uh, converting intact forest reserves to monoculture plantations and calling that reforestation. Right. Um, so for Klantan, um, I think roughly it was expected to see about 100 to 200,000 hectares of deforestation for timber plantations in the future. Okay. And would you know the rate of deforestation thus far? You said it was one of the highest, right? Yes. Um, I think it was responsible for about 50 to 60% of the deforestation that we had identified between 2017 and 2021, roughly. All right. I'm just uh, looking at some uh, global forest watch stats and they said Kelantan had 820 3,000 hectares of natural forest in 2010, extending over 83% of its land area. But in 2022, it lost 9.83 thousand hectares of uh, natural forest, right? And that was, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's just to give us some stats there. So, and we've also been seeing lots of floods there, you know, that's like a perennial problem there as well. So, you know, all this sort of deforestation doesn't quite help. Exactly. uh, And and these timber plantations, they're not just in forest reserves. A lot of them are in, you know, native customary land, Mm -hmm. uh, mostly from the Termia Orang Asli. Yeah. Uh, so when we're talking about deforestation here, not just as a biodiversity issue, but as a human rights issue, as an issue of, of forced displacement. And again, for Kelantan, it's not just the timber plantations, but currently there's the Nengiri Dam, Correct, yeah. which is being constructed by you know, Tanaga National um, in Goa Musang. And you know this project, even though it it's going to increase the renewable energy capacity in Kelantan by you know, a marginal amount, it's being done in not only a forested area, but in customary land. And, you know, the Termi Aurang Asli have written memorandums um, complaining that, you know, the project is going to cause the loss of the traditional burial sites, of the sacred sites. You know, I think there's one cave, uh, Goa Janggut, uh, if I remember correctly. It's, it's extremely important to the spirituality and the religion of the Termi um, And, you know, these concerns have not been taken into account and this project remains, you know, in full force going ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and there's also, I mean, they discovered uh, um, skeletal remains, isn't it? That yeah. dated even uh, earlier than uh, 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 the Lingong Man, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, so there's like you know deep um, historical and archaeological, uh, you know, findings there, which yes. they're just sort of like taking out and putting into a museum. But you know, there's so many other things we can yeah. think about, right? Ecotourism, things like that, exactly. you know, preserving it. Uh, there's there's so many opportunities rather than just damning it uh, as such. So, okay. Yeah. All right. So that's Klantan. But I tell you, Adam, let's just go for a quick break. Let's come back and uh, talk about some of the other states after this. I'm speaking today to Adam Farhan. He's the co-founder and director of Rimba Watch. We are sort of doing a report card, I guess, you know, on the six states that are heading for elections this Saturday for their state uh, state assemblies. Uh, we're giving a report card on how well they're doing in terms of uh, deforestation, actually, because, uh, since Rimba Watch is, of course, an environmental watchdog that has an open inventory of data and analytics on deforestation, among other things. We'll have more after this quick break. Keep it right here on Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. 
Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. With me in the studio today, Adam Farhan, the co-founder and director of Rimba Watch. It's just a few days to the state elections. Six states heading to the polls, of course. Kedah, Pulau Pinang, Kelantan, Trungganu, Negeri Sembilan and of course, Selangor. So today on the show, what we're doing with Rimba Watch, which of course is an environmental watchdog, uh, we are kind of giving a report card, right, on some of the states in terms of their, uh, I guess, in their what they've been doing uh, for the environment, uh, but focusing more on deforestation or uh, what they've been doing to protect their forests or lack thereof of it. Uh, so we've covered a couple of states so far. We've covered Selangor and also Kelantan. Uh, how about over in Kedah, Adam? What's been happening over there? Yeah, so in Kedah, uh, we're seeing again some of the issues from Kelantan um, in terms of expansion of timber plantations. Um, so in Kedah, you know, while the area may be small in comparison to the size of Kelantan, it's quite large compared to the size of forest reserves in Kedah. Mm. Um, so we're expected to see about twenty to 30,000 hectares of, of conversion of forest reserves to timber plantations in the future. Um, you know, and specifically one area um, that has been zoned for timber plantations in Kedah is, is the Gunung Inas Forest Reserve. Mm. And that's uh, directly adjacent to where we saw the Baling floods uh, you know, which resulted in the deaths of, I think, three three to four uh, people yeah. um, last year. Um, and, you know, beyond timber plantations, we're also seeing a lot of rare earth mining going on in Kedah. There's some controversy right now regarding, uh, you know, the poten- potential corruption and conflict of interest in one particular rare earth uh, mining case, which I can't comment on much further. Um, another issue we're seeing is, you know, uh, selective logging, what so-called selective logging. Um, which is degrading the forest of the Ulumuda water catchment. Mm. Um, and Ulumuda water catchment is, of course, extremely important because that's where a lot of water comes from, particularly for Penang. Yeah. Um, so logging in the sole water catchment of an entire state is extremely abhorrent behavior um, from an environmental perspective. So, yeah, we're seeing, again, you know, these issues okay, in, in Kedah. Mm-hmm. And also forest pla- uh, ladangutan there yep. as well, right? Plenty of that exactly. as well. So the same sort of uh, issues, I guess, right? Floods, uh, deforestation. Okay, so those are the, some of the issues there. Uh, and moving on to Trungganu, I mean, they've been facing several environmental challenges. I mean, there are things like... Uh, for example, a lot of sand mining going on. But what about in terms of um, uh, land, uh, uh, in terms of uh, deforestation there? Yeah, so you know, a few years back, um, Trungganu, the Trungganu State, degazetted um, the Balara Forest Reserve, mm-hmm. uh, an area of about 5,000 hectares. And what we're seeing on satellite imagery now is that that forest is now being cleared. Um, and we're not, sh- we're not sure what it's being cleared for because we don't have much transparency on what's going on in Trungganu. Um, you know, particularly when we look at EIAs for activities going on in Trungganu Forest Reserves, we're not finding very much. Um, but we are finding a lot of deforestation and satellite imagery. So there is a gap there and things are not matching up. Um, you know, but beyond Balara Forest Reserve, if you go further south in Trungganu to the Rasau Kerti Forest Reserve, there's also a lot of unexplained clearances. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's seen about one to 2,000 hectares of clearance so far. Um, because it's a forest reserve, you know, we suspect it's timber plantations. But a few years back, some news came out that uh, TDM plantations had acquired forest reserve land from the Trigano state government for the development of palm oil. So, you know, that's a possibility as well. But the fact is, we just don't know what's going on. Um, But, you know, beyond conversion in Trigano, we're also seeing a lot of deforestation from logging, you know, deeper in around the Kenya area. Um, If you look at satellite imagery of the Kenya area, you know, it... It's, some parts of it are extremely degraded because after the logging, the heavy rains came in and that created a lot of landslides. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, logging that 
the forest loss isn't just the direct forest loss from the logging itself, but it's all this indirect forest loss from the degradation of the whole area after the logging stops. So yeah, this is what we're seeing in Tringanu. Okay, so cascading effects, right? Yeah. Uh, just from, from that deforestation as well, uh, from the logging, sorry. Um, and... And of course, these are very like these are areas that are rich in biodiversity. I mean, yep. really, really important places, water catchment areas, all of that, right? Yeah, yep. it's part of the you know the Greater Tamanagara Forest Complex, which mm-hmm. is the lungs of Malaysia in essence. Yeah. Um, so you know the protection of these areas is is extremely important, um, and particularly Tringanu is a tiger hotspot. Um, you know, Tringanu sees a lot of instances of tigers coming into contact with humans and particularly, I think, with cows in, yeah, in plantations, yes, which is yes. extremely unfortunate. Um, and so if this deforestation continues, I, I, you know, I'm very fearful of what's going to happen to the Malayan tiger, yeah. you know, with less than 100 left. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we saw, right, I mean, we just celebrated uh, World Tiger Days and there's so much, uh, you know, yeah. uh, happening in terms of like, yeah, OK, let's celebrate, let's do things and all of that. But, you know, still all these, you know, um, important uh, areas for their for their roaming, the, the yeah. connectivity, right, for the forest yeah. is all being, um, yeah, it's all being fragmented, isn't yeah. it? Habitat loss is not adequately addressed. You know, a lot of tiger yeah. conservation programs are, well, they don't have the power to address habitat loss. That power, a lot of it comes from the state governments. So, yeah. you know, for the voters in Tringanu, not sure what you can do, but definitely, <laughs> yeah. you know, try to uh, hold the government accountable. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so that's Tringanu. Uh, and now, uh, I don't, we don't think we're going to cover Penang uh, because, you know, we cover that quite a lot in the station, but let's focus a little bit on Negri Sambilan. Uh, we don't really talk about much uh, going on yeah. there, actually, but there are things, uh, there are some deforestation issues there yeah, as well. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Negri Sambilan does experience deforestation to a much lesser extent uh, than other states. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we do see a lot of logging happening in the Greece and Milan, you know, around the Gunungangsi area, the Gunung Burumbun area. And again, you know, these are these are critical components of the Titiwangsa range, you know, these are critical habitat hotspots. Um, so definitely any logging there needs to be heavily controlled. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And timber plantations are also an issue in the Greece and Milan. We don't have full transparency on where, where which areas have been zoned for timber plantations. Um, one of the maps I have does show. Uh, some of the mountainous areas, I think, south of Gunung Angsi, have been zoned mm-hmm. for for this so-called Ladang Hutan. So you know, these these issues will occur, and these are issues that need to be addressed. Okay, and if, you know, for anyone who's listening who's maybe not familiar with the way that you gather your information and your data, maybe you can just remind them about you know Rimba Watch yeah. and what you guys do. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we look at both past deforestation and potential future deforestation. So for past deforestation, we just do our analysis using uh, Global Forest Watch data. Um, but for future deforestation, that's a bit more difficult. Um, and we have to look through a whole suite of desktop uh, sources, you know, to find this information. So, for example, for timber plantations, we have to go into each state's, you know, forestry department websites and reports and try to find maps of the areas that they've zoned for, for timber plantations. Um, for, you know, other threats such as EIAs, that's a lot more difficult because we have to go into the Department of Environment website. <laughs> and try to find um, EIA reports, but, you know, usually that's not available. Um, and so the information that we are talking about that we've come up with is is a very small um, share of, I think, the total future deforestation because there's just a lot of information that we just do not have access to. Mm-hmm. And and when you do try to gain access to it, it's, I mean, it's a lot of roadblocks, isn't it, that yeah. you guys face? Yeah. Okay. I mean, for, for example, the EIA's environmental impact assessments are simply not publicly available. Yeah. Um, the best we have is a list, a list of EIA titles on the Department of Environment website. 
but we're not sure how complete this list is. We're not sure how often it's updated. And again, these are just titles, they're not the full report. Mm. Um, for Sarawak especially, we do not have access to a single EIA mm. at all, not even a title. So this is the kind of uh, difficulties we face. Yeah, and that's why you kind of uh, more focus more on, on the deforestation in Peninsula Malaysia as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, all right. So, you know, I mean, people are heading to, uh, before we talk about, you know, other things that Rimba Watch is doing, uh, people are heading to the polls on Saturday, right? I mean, what would you, ha would you have a message for them? You know, what they should think about? Uh, it's hard, right? When there's so many other bread and butter issues, for yep. example, there's so much, you know, other things going on. But what would you want uh, listeners to know, especially when they think about the future, you know, the climate crisis, how it's related to deforestation all of that? Yeah, well, you know, the climate crisis is a bit and butter issue because we will not be able to live or have jobs or do anything in 50 or 60 years if the entire world is burning. Mm -hmm. um, particularly deforestation is a huge issue for climate change because it not only contributes to a, a global and regional increase in temperatures, but also a localized increase in temperatures. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, I think there's a recent study that found that um, the Temperature rise from deforestation can be felt up to 4.5 kilometers away, yeah. right? So if you're going to deforest areas in around Gunung Angsi, that's going to be felt in Sirimban. So, you know, when you're going to the polls, I think, you know, right now there's not a lot of candidates that are speaking of environmental issues. But I guess one thing you can do after the polls is make environmental issues an election issue. You know, you have to demand change from candidates uh, and you need to demand change from the government that you vote into um, next week. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that that's what my main message would be. Yeah. And thank you for laying it out. You know, it, they are bread and butter issues. Just yeah. people don't think of it that way, unfortunately, yeah. right? But yes, it is going to come to affect our food security, prices, everything, right? Cascading effects as we were talking about. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. So so that's uh, that's Adam's message to us as we head to the polls. But, you know, uh, Rimba Watch has been very busy. You have been doing a lot of other research as well. Uh, a very recent one uh, was on some, was on Petronas, right? Mm -hmm. And that uh, some of the claims of going net zero, uh, you, you made some discoveries actually that said that they weren't quite uh, living up to some of the things that they yep. said they're going to be doing. Can you uh, elaborate on that for yeah, us? Yeah, sure. So Petronas is claiming to be going net zero by 2050. Mm -hmm. But what this uh, commitment does not actually address their main emission source. So when we're talking about fossil fuels and talking about addressing fossil fuel emissions, there's three scopes. There's scope one, which is the extraction of oil and gas. Uh, the scope two, which is you know the processing and transportation of that oil and gas. Uh, and then the scope three, which is the use of that oil and gas. Okay. So Petronas' uh, net zero commitment, which you know I can refer to as the NZCE 2050, um, this only addresses scope one and two emissions uh, and makes no reference to scope three emissions. Okay. And Petronas' scope three emissions are 86% of their total emissions share. So when Petronas says they're going net zero while only addressing 14% of their emissions, are they really going net zero? Um, and you know we're not talking about marginal emissions here. Petronas' scope 3 emissions, uh, they recently disclosed, this is based on Petronas' own data, uh, is at 307.61 million tons of CO2, which is higher than Malaysia's annual fossil CO2 emissions. Okay, so we're talking about not addressing um, emissions which are larger than Malaysia's emissions. Okay. And so you basically you've just taken all of this information again from readily available things out there, right? Exactly. There's nothing. Yeah. Okay. And have you received any response? You know, since you released this data, um, not from Petronas. Um, I don't see any indication that they are going to, um, you know, address any of these okay. uh, issues that we raised. Um, although some of these issues have been addressed by other actors. So, for example, in the UK, the Advertising Standards Authority actually banned uh, the airing of a Petronas advertisement because. Uh, you know, they did an investigation into it and they found that it was greenwashing. So, you know, 
we're hoping to see these kind of uh, judgments made in, in Malaysia as well. Okay. In in the report that you released, right, you did also mention how July 2023 has been predicted as the hottest month on record, yep. right? Uh, and that, of course, you know, result of, you know, uh, fossil fuel driven anthropogenic climate change, yep. right? Maybe you want to just sort of like, you know, because of course Petronas is such an important yep. part of Malaysia, right? And, you know, it contributes to our GDP, all of that, right? But why is it that they must take their commitments seriously uh, and they must reduce their fossil fuels, yep. uh, you know, s- for our future, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, currently the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, has found that current policies put us on a trajectory to reach 3.2 degrees uh, temperature rise by 2100. Yeah. Already we're talking about a temperature rise from 1.5 degrees, um, causing just huge impacts uh, on the world. You know, we're talking about all the wildfires we're seeing, you know, in the West, in, in Canada. You know, recently I visited a village in, in Sumatra, which had already been, you know, wiped out by a sea level rise. All that was left of the village was these poles in the ocean. And the village itself had moved about a kilometer inland. And the experience because of, of not only rising sea levels, but also just very unpredictable weather. Okay. So these are the impacts from climate change we're seeing right now. Imagine what 3.2 degrees will cause. You know, 3.2 degrees means about 6 to 8 meter sea level rise. Yeah. The IPCC and various other bodies such as the IEA, uh, you know, International Energy Agency, have made it very clear what we need to do to reach 1.5 degrees, and that's no more fossil fuel expansion. Yeah. Okay, so it's very clear here, this climate science is very clear, Petronas needs to stop expanding fossil fuels um, in order for us to not reach 3.2 degrees uh, temperature rise by 2100. Um, and it's not that Petronas is, you know, a very minor polluter, a global polluter. You know, one of the statistics that we found is that Petronas is responsible for about 0.9% of annual fossil CO2 emissions. Um, and Petronas is a carbon major, which is a term that's used to refer to the companies responsible for the greatest share of historical emissions in the world. Um, and for example, in, in 2017, the Carbon Disclosure Project found Petronas to be the 27th most polluting company in the world. So what Petronas does on emissions reductions contributes significantly to global emissions reductions. Petronas is a key player in the global decarbonization process. Okay, all right. And you had some um, some recommendations for them as well, right? Yeah. yeah. Would you like to outline some of them? Yeah. Well, you know, one of them is that Petronas needs to stop greenwashing. Mm-hmm. Okay, we understand that it is difficult for a fossil fuel company to reduce their scope tree uh, emissions. But, you know, recently the, uh, a UN high-level expert group had defined greenwashing. And the two key points was that um, a non-state actor, so a company, cannot claim to be going net zero while investing or increasing fossil fuel supply. Um, and also a company cannot claim to be going net zero if they only tackle part of their uh, emissions value chain and not their full emissions value chain, which is scope tree. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if Petronas finds it simply too difficult to actually go net zero by 2050, then you have to stop claiming you're going net zero by 2050. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's one of our key demands. Um, beyond that, Petronas can come with us and, you know, make all these general statements about, oh, fossil fuel demand is increasing and so on and so forth. The fact is, and as I've mentioned earlier, we cannot afford any more fossil fuel expansion if we are to align ourselves with a 1.5 degree pathway. That is it. That is the bottom line. So all Petronas' business decisions have to be um, based on proven climate science and not you know, any other distractions that they're making. Um, and so if we're going to talk about proven climate science, that means Petronas has to stop exploring for new fossil fuels. And you know, just, uh, just last month, 
it came on the news that Petronas had made. I think it was, it was seven new discoveries in Sarawak. This is completely unjustified uh, from a climate perspective. Um, and so, you know, what we're really calling on Petronas to do is to adopt the Scope 3 commitment, to identify its carbon budget, its remaining carbon budget. And there is a huge possibility that Petronas has already exceeded its carbon budget, you know, based on the historical emissions share. Um, but nevertheless, they have to act based on this carbon budget. And they have to stop exploring for new fossil fuels. And in place of all this, they have to really transition to a renewable energy company and not a fossil fuel company. Um, and this transition to re renewable energy should be rapid, it should be just, and it should not use natural gas as a transition fuel in the medium or long term. What we understand, it should be used in the short term. Gas is still a fossil fuel, even you know, despite claiming that you know, it's, a, it's, it's required in the future and so on and so forth. Gas is still a fossil fuel. It's still one of the highest emitting energy sources in the world. And it's one of the most dangerous energy sources in the world. You know, even if you compare, for example, natural gas to solar, nuclear, and every other you know, clean energy source, it's one of the most dangerous. Um, yeah, this is what we're asking Petronas to do. Okay, all right. Um, I guess, you know, a lot of people will be saying, what are their options then, right? What should they do? How can they, how can they uh, transition, I suppose? Yeah. And what would your recommendations be? Yes, well, we have proven climate solutions. Um, you know, this includes increasing capacity of solar panels, of, of wind power, of, of uh, hydropower and so on. But the point I'm making is that whatever Petronas does, it has to be proven climate solutions. It cannot be unproven for solutions such as, you know, carbon capture that they're doing. You know, for example, one thing Petronas is positing right now is that they're going to do carbon capture and storage in Sarawak. Um, but what we found is, so one of the, the biggest projects right now is the Kasawari CCS project. Um, and that costs 5 billion ringgit, but the capacity of that project is only to reduce 0.9% of Petronas' annual emissions. Uh, and ten, five, 5 billion ringgit is already 10% of Petronas' annual capex. Mm -hmm. So is this a viable solution? This is clearly not a viable solution. That 5 billion should be uh, you know, channeled to increasing renewable energy capacity. Everything Petronas needs to be doing now is to reduce demand for fossil fuels. Okay, so yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Adam, thank you so much, uh, you know, for, for joining me today and for, you know, outlining all of that. Um, of course, you know, for more information, just head to the website, uh, rimbawatchmy.com and yep. follow you guys on social media. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So all the, the usual, right? It's Twitter, Instagram. Exactly. Right. <laughs> that was uh, Adam Farhan, the co-founder and director of Rimba Watch. We did two things today. We spoke about, you know, um, a report card, you know, for all the states heading into state elections, how they've been doing in terms of deforestation or protecting their land uh, doesn't look too good for most of the states, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, and also, you know, um, uh, the latest report by Rimba Watch on Petronas's net zero carbon emissions by 2050, uh, some of the gaps, uh, you know, in some of the things that they're saying. Again, just head to rimbawatch.my uh, for more information and to read that in full. And if you miss any part of today's chat, you can always search for the podcast at bfm.my slash earth. You can also find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.